after a much needed break, Nipe's story is back. This fortnightly podcast brings you audio versions of short stories from Kenya and across our African continent. I'm your host, Kevin Mochiro. And on this episode, we are featuring Faith Onea's story titled An Abundance of Lies. After 4.30, hotel was two stories high with yellowish-brown walls that had more dust than paint on them. Green plastic plants, also choking in dust, lined the entrance. That should have been my first red light. A reluctant curtain was draped over the door, and my eyes darted to the dusty wooden staircase with a careless carpet. Where were the shiny glass walls that needed cleaning all day long? Where were the escalators Domi had said one had to be trained to use? Where was the lush green lawn that she had described in such detail? Where were the red roses that infused the air with their beautiful scent as guests entered? My heart was still stewing in disappointment when I asked for Domitilla at reception. Nobody by that name works here said the woman, who rolled and unrolled her plastic hair in her hands as if I was bothering her. Or maybe it was her hair that was bothering her. Are you sure of what you're saying? I asked. She needed to be sure. I was not going back to mother. The woman looked up at me as if addressing someone who had escaped from a mental hospital. I insisted. I spelt Domitilla's name out to her. I took a piece of paper and wrote it out. Flavia Domtila Nekesa. Do you think I'm lying to you? She finally asked, loud enough for the Asian man passing by the reception area to hear. He walked to us briskly. A hairy man. I mean, he had hair peeping out from underneath his shirt, stumbling from his wide nostrils. And when he spoke, one felt the urge to keep telling him to clear his throat. Was hair clogged there too? My name is Rajan. I am the manager. Ikonini? What is the problem, my dear? I'm looking for my friend, Domtila. She's a cook here, I told him, my voice sharpening and rising in panic. Had she lied to me? Eh eh. He held up his index finger to slow me down. My dear, what is your name? Lady Lisa. He looked at me as if I had made the name up. Was that why he kept calling me my dear? There is no cook with that name here. Where did you say you are from? He asked while looking me up and down as if trying to decide how to send me back to where I came from. Kisumu. He thought about it for a few minutes, shifting on his feet like someone who needed to go to the toilet. I began to think I had the wrong hotel. Where was Domitila? There is no waitress by that name either. Maybe we can check the cleaning department. There are very many, you know so I can't remember all their names. He summoned the cleaning supervisor. The cleaning supervisor saved me. He said he knew a Domitilla from her ID card. A brown girl, very quiet. That's how they described her. He took me to meet her at her workstation, and that is how I came to learn that the only food Domitilla came close to was the shit produced by those rich folks who came to after 4.30 for late lunches and dinners. Why did you come here? Domi hissed through her teeth, eyeing me like one would a house rat. Her face had changed, much like the exterior walls of the hotel. 
It was now yellow with brown patches that glistened and looked like they wanted to break free. Domi, you told me to come. You invited me here. Don't you remember? Tiller, she responded. What? Tiller. My name is Tiller here. Don't call me Domi again. That is what a village pumpkin would do. You knew Shamba. Domi, you told me I could come here, that you could find me a job. What has changed? Well, I could see that the color of her face had changed, but her hands remained the color that I remembered, dark and flawless. I've just told you not to call me Domi. What's wrong with you? And I told you you could come because that is what you village people like to hear. I did not mean that you should actually pack your bags and come here. I could lose my job. Ish. Domi bit her lower lip and breathed heavily, then held her forehead with her forefingers and rubbed her eyes with her palms. My house is too small. My bed is too small. Lisa, why have you done this to me? I apologized because it seemed like it was something she might want to hear. I searched her face for the warmth of the friendship I once knew, but her eyes met mine hard and I dropped my gaze. I bit back the greetings I carried from mother and held my bag a little tighter. Anyway, her anger made no difference to me, as I knew I was not going back home. I was a city girl now. But still, I couldn't believe that she had lied to me. She had lied to me about many things, but it was the thick crust of paint with which she had coated her life in Nairobi that nearly choked me. That lie was what had me taking a bus to Nairobi after lying to my mother about why I wanted to go to the city. If you ever met my mother, then you would know why I was sweating when I spoke to her about coming to this Nairobi that you people praise so much. One wrong word to mother and a slap could easily land on your face. Or worse, she would ignore you for the rest of the day, saying, when you find my daughter, tell her I am looking for her. There's a stranger in my house. She passes her lips when you're talking to her and says many eh 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 squinting her eyes after every sentence so that you never know whether you are convincing her or enraging her. Well, I did not want to take any chances this time. And I had missed many chances with mother. I think I was cursed because I missed qualifying for a position at a teacher's training college after Form 4 by two points a year back. Mother blamed Domi for this. She said Domi distracted me and made me start knowing boys before my time. Never mind that I was 18 and itching with desires that not even mother's prayers could quench. I wanted to tell her that I dreamed about boys at night all on my own. Anyway, Domi was a delicate topic that needed careful handling when talking to mother. So I painted her in a better light than my mother had ever seen her in. And it blended her enough for her to give me basfa. I told her about the Quaker church that Domi attended, about her big job at a big hotel. Domi found me a job too, mommy, and she said she would host me when I was there. The words stumbled out of my mouth. They came out so fast, so smoothly, that even I had trouble remembering they were untrue. Nyathena, my child. Are you sure a girl like you, an Apodo, a village pumpkin like you? That city will eat you alive, mother said. Domi will protect me, mommy. She has a good job and lives in a big house. 
I prayed to God about it, and I know he will make a way for me, I added. Mother pursed her lips farther, twisting them right and left, right and left, as if considering which weighed more, her disdain for Domi or her love of God. I remembered how she had once told me of the dream she had about Domi and me. She said that in her dream, I was crossing the road, but there were snakes between us. Whenever I moved close to Domi, the snakes would hiss at me, but I kept going back. My mother often repeated this to me, as if it was a dream she had every night, and every repetition was punctuated by her fervent prayers for God's protection. Domi and I had been best friends ever since we were nine years old. I remember how we used to compare the progress of the hard knots on our chests every month. The knots rose into little mounds and finally blossomed into breasts that deserved bras. Our periods came at the same time, and we danced around like we were little girls again to celebrate becoming women. Our hearts grew restless about living in a small place like Kisumu. We both wanted a bigger life in a bigger city, houses next to each other, the same jobs. Domi was the first to lose her virginity to a fast-talking bus conductor, and we giggled and giggled when she used a piece of firewood to explain to me what an erect penis looked like. Does it hurt when it's going in? I asked, and she laughed and laughed. One day you will find out, she said, when she had caught her breath, then laughed again. I did not really think I wanted to find out what a piece of firewood would feel like inside me. Domi had always been the more adventurous of the two of us, so I just nodded. She said she would introduce me to someone too, someone who'd make me feel like a woman. I told her that I would tell her when I was ready, but the truth was I was afraid of what I needed to give up. I knew the efforts mother was putting into praying for a good husband for me, and I did not want to taint her prayers. Lisa, this thing is never lost. This is not what they mean when they say losing your virginity. It's more like giving it away temporarily. It's not as if it's soap that washes away. It remains with you once the man is done with it. I was confused. And then she went to the city to work at a hotel. After 4.30 hotel. She told me she had found a job as the head cook. I did not know what head cooks did but it sounded very important. And everybody spoke about how soft Domi's chapatis were. So I was very happy that she had found someone who could pay for them. On her last visit, she told me that perhaps I could join her one day, that perhaps she could teach me the ropes. I knew I could learn to make soft chapatis like hers. Now, I did not like my mother calling me a village pumpkin. I did not like her calling me any kind of pumpkin, actually. I also knew that she never liked Domi. She said Domi wore her skirts too short and her tops too low. Disrespectful, Mother said, twisting her mouth as she always did when disapproving. I asked her how many meters of cloth were enough to be respectful, but she said my smart mouth would land me in trouble one day. But thoughts of a prestigious job in the city had mellowed her, and she called church members to pray for me and my journey. They laid their hands on me and beseeched God to walk before me. They cast the devil for even imagining he could cause an accident along the way and told God that they were now putting me in his hands. You are her father and the shepherd of her life, they shouted, invoking the name of Jesus and saying enough amens to last me the whole journey to Nairobi. Now, I don't know whose life God was busy shepherding that day, 
because I spent a whole night in a Mubukinya express bus from Kisumu to Nairobi, sweating the hands of a Randy bus conductor who told me he could show me a good time in Nairobi. I had gone to sit at the back of the bus to stretch my feet on the empty seat, and he followed me there. Was it the length of my skirt? But later, the shock of seeing the after 4.30 hotel made me regret not exploring the good time the sweaty conductor had offered. Domi took me to her house in Majengo that night, fuming all the way in the Matatu. I rambled on and on about my mother, her church, the boy who wanted to date me, and everything else that she responded to with little grunts and grimaces. We shared the boiled maize I had carried from home and a threadbare mattress, but the silence was harder to bear than the hard floor. I did not ask her where she was going when the door creaked open at midnight, but I caught the biff of Bint El Sudan perfume as she left. It was the same perfume she wore on the last day she lost, um, gave her virginity. We went back to after 4.30 hotel the next day. Domi told me she did not cook in her house, not breakfast, not lunch, not dinner. The hotel gave all workers lunch. The rest of the meals, they survived on God's air. Domi organized a job for me in the cleaning department. Rajan agreed that I looked strong and capable. If I knew I was coming to clean rich people's refuse, then I would have stayed back home in Kisumu with mother's rules and nagging and her endless prayers to God to save me. But perhaps toilet cleaning would have been easier were it not for the cheap, pungent smell of the detergent that Rajan insisted on buying. It nauseated me. It made me want to go back home to confess my sins to mother. I imagined how she would twist her mouth to the side and then say, I never liked that Domi. There was always something sinister about her. It's ironic that she was named after a saint. I confronted Rajan about the toilet detergent. I told him it was too rough on the skin of my hands. Rajan sniffed the air as if trying to detect the smell, turned to me and asked, are the toilets complaining? Then he walked away. The nerve of that man. But when I heard that the only reason he had become a manager was because his father was the owner's cousin, I understood why he asked such stupid questions. My mother had always told me that my big mouth would land me in trouble one day. I just did not know that trouble meant cleaning rich people's shit. I thought trouble meant falling pregnant or something. Domi told me my mouth was too big for the job, but I told her it was my hands that were too delicate for the job. But perhaps the work would have been easier if the hotel guests did not have constant amnesia about where their shit should land. I cleaned enough shit off the sides of the toilet bowls to make me wonder why they were called hotel guests. They should have been baptized hotel pests. Well, at least some of them. They used too much tissue and often stuffed the whole roll in their handbags. I'm telling you the things I've seen with my own eyes. And when they peed, you would hear loud sounds. A clear sign that their buttocks were hanging above the bowl, as if they were too precious to sit on the toilets we worked so hard to clean. I asked Domi if I should tell Rajan about the guests misusing the toilets, but she reminded me how lucky I should feel to have this job so soon after arriving in Nairobi. That big mouth of yours will not take you anywhere, she said. My big mouth never took me anywhere with the hotel pests either. 
I thought I would start with a hello, but they never replied. Even if I was standing next to the door as they slapped it open, they just swung past me while talking loudly on their mobile phones as I stood there in my invisible dark blue uniform as they messed up the toilet, splashed water all over the floor, washed their hands and ran them through their weaves and removed food from their teeth with their long nails. I was fed up with the job after the first week. I asked Domi how she had survived there for a whole year. You're not as special as you think you are, Lisa. She responded and kept mopping the floor. We had to mop the public bathroom floors on an hourly basis and sign our names against the work done on the supervisor's form hung at the back of the door. I had already signed it three times without cleaning the toilets. I was afraid of signing it without working a day, so I took a mop and joined Domi. I stared at the tight skin around her eyes and mouth and her black knuckles. Her eyes were as dull as the mop she was using to dry the floor. What had happened to her? Domi, where do you go in the middle of the night? Where do you think? That is what will get me out of this life. And I told you to stop calling me Domi. But her was the softest one I had had since the day I came. So I just nodded and smiled. She smiled back. Her first one since I had arrived. I mean, well, you know, it's just that you surprised me, she said. I was tired of cleaning toilets. That night before she snuck out, I asked her to take me with her. Are you sure? She asked. I was. You will need Bint El Sudan. An Abundance of Lies was read to you by Christine Otieno and written by Faith Onea and is featured in the anthology Hotel Africa. Hotel Africa is the latest short story collection from Short Story Day. An Abundance of Lies is Faith Onea's second contribution to the podcast, with Fresh Paint being her initial offering and you can listen to it right here on Nipe's Story. Faith Onea is a journalist and creative writer. She's an opinion columnist and features writer with the Daily Nation newspaper. Her short stories were first published in 2012 in Fresh Paint, an anthology, as well as in Tea with Mum, Nairobi Noir, and now Hotel Africa. In 2018, she published her first children's book, The Girl with a Big Heart. Faith is currently working on her first short story collection. It's good to be back after an extended break and once again thanks for being patient and also for your support. We're looking forward to producing many more short stories from the continent. Nipe Story is available to download on the platform that amplifies African podcasts, that's Afreports, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And also please tell your networks about Nipe Story. You can follow us here on SoundCloud, on Facebook, we are Nipe Story, and on Twitter, our handle is Nipe underscore story. Nipe Story is a finger piano production.